tornadoes to hurricanes, blizzards, and everything in between, you're listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. Stormfront Freaks are former television meteorologist Mark Massaro, atmospheric science graduate and skyworn storm spotter Brady Harris, digital meteorologist and weather producer on the Weather Channel app Dina Knightley, former on-camera meteorologist at the Weather Channel Kim Cunningham, Emmy-winning storm chaser and photographer Chris Sanner, and I'm your announcer and Skywarn Network coordinator Mark Johnson. Now, here's the moderator of the Stormfront Freaks podcast, Skywarn storm spotter and chaser Phil Johnson. Welcome to the most entertaining weather podcast on your listening and viewing device. This is the Stormfront Freaks podcast, and for those of you watching our raw and unedited recording. A little shout out to our YouTube viewers and Oklahoma Weather Tracker TV viewers. Uh, we call this Stormfront Freaks Raw, uh, the video portion of it. But we'll tell you this, if it's the first time that you're listening or watching us, hey, thanks for checking us out, if nothing else. Uh, we hope you enjoy it, that you at least want to come back and, and listen to more. But uh, be sure to catch our last episode with Rick Smith, uh, the warning coordination meteorologist at the National Weather Service in Norman, Oklahoma. Uh, we had a great time with him. You can also catch any of our other previous shows with guests like storm chasing photographer Mike Olbinski or forensic meteorologist and author Dr. Elizabeth Austin. Uh, so we got a lot of great shows in our, in our uh, backlog you can check out. However, this is episode 38, and our guest this week is weather producer for the Weather Channel's Weather Underground, Catherine Prosive. Hey, we'll also be discussing the future of amateur radio and storm chasing uh, or the lack thereof a future, I guess. And don't forget to stick around for our educational Titan U Minute, unforgettable weather fools, and our picks for some cool WX resources. But uh, one of the things we do to get started is we, we have a happy hour. Yeah. And there's two yes. things. There's always two things we're trying to accomplish with our happy hour. Number one is it allows us to introduce all of our co-hosts uh, so that you can hear their voice and, and put a, a name to the voice uh, before we get started. But number two is it sets the tone for our show that we're going to be laid back. We're going to be having fun. It's an after hours uh, get together at the poker table, talking storms and weather with, with interesting people. So you know, it's a hey, great I way a to, to set the tone. I got a got pair. A pair. <laughs> no, seriously. Seriously, yeah, look, look. Oh, look at that. I got a pair of four. Oh, wow. Nice. Why do you think I meant you? Uh, Is that that kind of podcast? It, it beats, yeah, it beats mine. And, and if you look behind MJ, he's actually got his uh, poker dogs. There they nice. Are right there. Nice. Oh, nice. So, so let's do this. Let's go ahead and quick introduce our co-host freaks. Find out what they're drinking for our podcast happy hour, and I will shoot it up to our poker dog background guy, MJ, up in Minnesota. What, what are you up, drinking? dog? All right, here I am, and tonight we've unleashed the Kraken. We are. Whoa! Uh, good lord! Oh, I love it. Man. Is that a, yes. Did I see a big ninety-four proof on that thing or something? Yes, or yes, you did. That is the Kraken's uh, black spiced rum, and we're having oh. that with, uh, of course, Coca-Cola. Of course. Wow. Oh, I didn't even know that. I might have to try that out. Yes, it's good. That's that's and 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 those of you that we, don't we know, have the day off tomorrow. That's what <laughs> this means. So. That's great. You're not the only one, I guess. Hey, I, I do want to tell our viewers and listeners that uh the 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 November sixth I think it's November sixteenth recording. Um 
that's going to be our, our holiday shopping show. So we're going to actually uh, preview and review some various uh, weather products. Excuse me. You're gonna love it. That's also the show that we got a couple bartenders that are gonna be joining us at the yes. beginning that are gonna be introducing for the holidays. They're gonna be introducing some great weather themed and stormfront freaks podcast themed drinks yeah baby i'm looking forward to that that one i know you are dina (laughs) so mj is not the only one with a day off tomorrow i heard dina is as well down in atlanta dina what are you drinking tonight oh thank god okay so i'm i got my new stormfront freaks cup can you see that oh Oh, right and it's funny because when it's really cold it turns blue so the first time I put something in it, I put some ice in it. There was something blue all over. I'm like yelling at the kids, like, who put blue stuff in my cup? <laughs> <laughs> but I made um, a Long Island iced tea. Ah, um, wow. I admit I don't have every everything because it's like a you need a full bar for that one. But yeah, it's most do. of it. So it's pretty much just, you know, a lot of alcohol. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, Shocking. isn't that what we need? I was going to actually make. For Catherine, a dark and stormy, but I didn't. It's a. It look. It's really good. I never had one before, but I could. I didn't have all the ingredients, and I didn't have time to stop. So you know, you not having all the ingredients now. That's a surprise. Yeah. Well, like I said, I live out in the country now, but within three miles, <laughs> I have a really nice liquor store. <laughs> three so miles. No she knows exactly how far. Yeah. No it's, all right, Maz. Uh, Maz in Cincinnati. What are you drinking tonight? I bro? got Stella. that's kind of fancy for the poker table isn't it it is you know what's funny is my wife bought it because my son-in-law was coming over and i was like well we got stella she's like it's it's for alex i'm like like, (laughs) (laughs) give me one of those all right kim you're down in atlanta tonight what are we drinking well tonight i am drinking an ipa Surprise. And, uh, surprise, no surprise. Yes, way. And this out of my mummy. This is Ooh. the I mean a bride of Frankenstein glass. Oh, nice. You see it? You see this one? Okay. So this is Hop Dang Diggity. And this is out. <laughs> yes, Hop Dang Diggity. And it's a Jekyll Brewery Company right off Alpharetta, right here in the northeastern oh, really? side oh, nice. of Atlanta. So it's really good. I'm really enjoying it. And uh happy Halloween, right? Hoppy Halloween. Hoppy, Hoppy Halloween. Halloween. Hoppy Halloween. So not only do you have an IPA, but drinking in a Bride of Frankenstein glass, but it's a yes. beer from Jekyll. Yes. Bre- wow. See, You're bringing it all are, together yeah. tonight, girl. She is catching on, man. You see, you see my friend behind me. I don't know if you can see. Yeah. He's uh, hanging. He's hanging in for. He's hanging <laughs> out with me tonight. So. <laughs> Looking a little thin. Anyway. Yeah, he's on a swing. He's so on my goalie. I'm pulling up. Like, you know, I've shared before. This is this is one of my favorite seasons for brews, uh, because it's line. it's either pumpkin or there's uh, Oktoberfest, uh, and because this is our last show for October, uh, I am drinking Christian Moorline, which is a brewery here in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I am drinking their Das Uber ah. Oktoberfest. Mm, nice. So that's what I'm slamming tonight. All right. He's slamming it. No wonder he's hiccuping. I've got a, I've got a little, um, like lunch bag with an ice cooler in here because I've got a couple more in there, <laughs> keeping it cold. All right. 
Keep it you a cold. Have I, a little mini fridge. Guess. They're like forty bucks at Walmart. You could stick right under your desk. I, you yeah. know, I've I've only got like two outlets down here in my basement <laughs> though. So. Oh yeah, yeah. I need to I need to get an electrician in here, and we need to need to finish it. But anyway, all right. And hey, I don't want to forget our guest tonight because I know she came prepared. Yes. Uh, so this is not your formal introduction, Catherine, but down in Atlanta, let us know what you're drinking. All right. So the other night when Phil and I did our sound check, I had forgotten that you guys drink during this. So <laughs> how did you forget? <laughs> and so remember, I, I showed you I was drinking my last Category Five IPA, so hurricane themed, of course. My nice. It. And I literally went ah, but I drank it. So. <laughs> Here I've got a raspberry sour from Three Taverns. Oh, nice. nice. Really, and look at that beautiful can art. But yeah, I'm going to pour it into my Storms Never Sleep thermos because nice. you know the Storms Never Sleep and I neither like it. And this is from my colleague Dan Apgar, who sent this to me as a gift. So that's what I'm drinking tonight. Very oh, nice. Cool. Very cool. nice. Very awesome. nice. Well, good. Well, I think we've set the tone and we've accomplished our goal. So let's go ahead and get to the important stuff and introduce our guest, Dina. Let's let's give her a formal introduction. That's All right. We get. <laughs> well, tonight tonight I, we welcome Kathy Prosev. She's a meteorologist and a weather producer for the Weather Channel's Weather Underground show with Mike Bettis, and formerly with the channel's flagship program AMHQ with Jim Cantori. Uh, Catherine secured her position just four months after freelancing for the channel and has been with us since 2013. She has both a bachelor's and a master's degree from Virginia Tech, and she even helped develop the program, including interviewing professors and then taking each of the courses the first semester it was offered. Oh, wow. She's a weekly contributor to the Capital Weather Gang and U.S. Tornadoes and is an avid storm chaser who has witnessed over 15 tornadoes and has been chasing since 2010. She's even been a field leader many of those times. Her master's thesis, and I love this, even debunked the idea that tornadoes can't develop in the mountains. You know how we always say that? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. And then to top it off, she plays the guitar, and she's just has one of the most laid-back, calm demeanors I know. She always has a smile on her face, even when I... I'm ready to kill somebody, and I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill him, and she just smiles. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, I joke with her all the time that she needs to go back and finish her PhD. So I think as fun tonight, we just need to call her Dr. Prosiv the whole night just to get her in the spirit of things. <laughs> I like it. I like so, it. Like it. So, Catherine, I love that you debunked the idea that tornadoes can't develop in the mountains. Um, how did you do that? Like, you can give us the short crib note version. All right, so the shorthand version, and I will say that when I gave my proposal, first semester of grad school, we all had to come up with an idea and, and propose it in front of the whole college, I got absolutely railed. I was told that it was not a good idea not to bother, pick another one, or don't graduate. But wow. Yeah, it was. they were pretty hardcore about it. You know, they're relentless, you know, academic. Yeah. They're pretty tough. <laughs> but I said, yeah. no. No, I said, I'm going to keep doing it. And and Kim and Dina, who know me really well, and I set my mind to something, it's going to get done. So yes. no one's going to tell mm -hmm. me different. So I just want you all to know that was December of 2010, and everybody thought I was crazy. And then just a few months later, April 2011 happened, and there were several destructive tornadoes at very high elevations in the Appalachians, which is where I was in school at the time. We had tornadoes 
uh, hit just down the road. So all of a sudden people went, okay, Catherine, <laughs> continue uh, with your mm -hmm. research. And so I did it basically one of two way or two ways. Uh, I worked with the National Weather Service in Blacksburg. The point of my thesis was to come up with a forecast application to help them better forecast supercells in the mountains. They didn't really have a way. If you think about it, the mountains block radar beams. So they needed a better way to try and figure out which storms might or might not produce tornadoes and basically storms that they were blind to. So using GIS, which is Geographic Information Systems, which is basically mapping, and I went back and I hand plotted, I believe the total was 500 single points of NEXRAD radar, the couplets, the location, the intensities by DBZ, wow. and overlaid the intensity of these couplets on top of terrain profiles to wow. see what did the storms do when wow. they encountered ridges and valleys and you know high points and low points and i found a correlation where when storms fell off of a ridge line literally like think of it as an ice skater has her arms out and then when that column and that storm mesocyclone fell off the ridge tucked the arms in actually spun faster so i yeah. found that on a very hmm. micro scale level, mountains not only don't prevent tornadoes, they might actually enhance them. Mm. Wow. You know, it's after nice. all that plotting, I now pronounce you Dr. Pro Sip. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Catherine, Catherine, tell me this, because I'm curious, you've got your, your degree is in geography, correct? Yep. So it, talk just a little bit about, you know, people that might be interested in uh, going into weather. Uh, I guess explaining that a little bit, how your degree was in geography and how a lot of, how to, a number of schools, uh, their program is in their ge geology department. Yes. So if you think about geography and weather, they are an absolute natural merriment of disciplines. Because how many times do we talk about weather in relation to the terrain that it's in? You know, whether we're talking, it's snowing, you know, on on Mount Rainier, but it's raining down in Seattle, you know, elevation differences are what's causing that, that precipitation difference. So me starting as a geographer and becoming a meteorologist, it gave me this spatial awareness of weather that not many other meteorologists have. You know, I can pick out sizes of storms relative to anything else I want to compare it to rather quickly. Uh, I'm also uh, very akin to the impact on population because in geography there isn't just physical geography there is human geography uh, so i have kind of a huge interest and in understanding in the human component of weather as well as the physical so i actually think it was great that the meteorology program was in my geography program as i went through school yeah because ohio state it's in the department of geography yes Their atmospheric Pro science mm -hmm. program is in the department of geography yeah or nebraska too yep yeah so it's awesome. Wow. So tell us how you got from there to the Weather Channel. So this is a, a funny story. And I, I think you might know it, Kim, maybe Dina. So I, uh, I got my master's degree and I stayed at Virginia Tech to teach. I, so I was an instructor and I loved it. I had 100 students and the university, they knew they could get me for cheap. So they <laughs> all the lectures, all the labs, you know, usually you have a TA, teach labs. They're like, oh, Catherine will do it. So I had 100 students. I taught four sections of lab. Uh, it was introduction to meteorology. And I remember it was in this big tiered auditorium. And I had a student on day one dare me to learn everybody's names by Thanksgiving. 
because I'm super competitive. I knew everybody. <laughs> so I just, I loved it. I loved inspiring the students and, and teaching. Uh, but unfortunately, I was living below the poverty line doing that. So I thought, okay, well, you got to go out. You got to get a new job. And I didn't want to live with my parents. So I'm looking around, looking around. I'm applying for all kinds of jobs in the D.C. area. I was teaching at Northern Virginia Community College, writing for Capital Weather Gang. I think I was doing like 10 things at once. And I saw a job posting come across for the Weather Channel, for a weather producer. And all they wanted was resume. And that was so easy because I'm going through these 200 step portals that are, you know, making my eyes dry up. I was like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm, a, you know, I love weather. I'm a meteorologist. I've been watching Weather Channel forever. Why not? It literally was like, why not? Send it in. I only had one qualification on the whole thing because I'd never even been in a TV studio. Never. Uh, I didn't know TrueView Max, which is our mapping system. I knew ArcGIS, which was my GIS mapping system. But I had the one bullet point, knows and loves weather. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, send it in, whatever. So I get a call back. It was like two months later. I had even forgotten about it. I get a call back and the person who interviewed started it with, so your resume is completely different from anyone else we've ever hired. We're gonna give you a try. Wow, great. <laughs> but the caveat was they basically, you know, here I am just like sitting pretty where I was at the time. And they're like, can you start in two weeks? We'll hire you as freelance. We don't care you have a master's. We're gonna hire you $13 an hour, yes or no. So <laughs> I basically jumped off a cliff I told my parents I was leaving in a week and oh, I, I fit Good. everything I could in my little SUV and I drove down and the first day I saw my apartment was the day I moved in and uh, the rest is history. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> so how long have you been there? I have been here now. I, my four year anniversary was in June. Wow. So. Okay. Oh, my my anniversary is in June too. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> awesome. So tell tell us a little bit, Catherine. So what what is your role as a weather producer for these shows? Um, tell our audience a little bit, I guess, of of what that is. What do you do? All right. So a weather producer, the way I describe it, we wear many many hats. Okay. So it's everything from and Dina, she knows that she does the same thing. Uh, we make maps. That's kind of we're graphics meteorologists. That's number one. Uh, so all the fancy maps you see. Even right now, all the awesome 3D stuff we're doing at the Weather Channel, we have a hand in a lot of that. Uh, so the, the maps, the graphics, that's kind of step one. Uh, step two, we're storytellers. We have to take those maps made, either the ones that we make or the ones that our graphics Mets make, and we have to put them in an order that tells a story. And you know, if you think about it, as a weather producer, it is my job to make a sunny day hmm. interesting. Because, yeah. you know, everybody else is talking about the weather out there. And my job is everyone's like, oh, let me see how they're telling the sunny day story. Rather, you know, over a local station or weather nation. And because I don't want them to, they have a remote in their hand. Mm -hmm. I yeah. don't want them to click off of my station. So, you know, what can I do to make a story compelling or unique, interesting, maybe personal for people uh, just to get them to stick around. Uh, so, you know, graphics, storytelling, and then as a weather producer, you know, I'm in the studio uh, during a show, I've got the headset on, so I'm communicating with my on-camera meteorologists, sometimes arguing or not, 
Shut your faces. I got something to tell you. Sometimes, you know, voices have to get raised to get things done. We're in TV. You know, you get a lot of voices yeah. you to, to yell sometimes. Um, that's where the multitasking comes in because it is my job to make sure that the right maps are in the right spot. You know, that when the camera is on, everything's got to be mm -hmm. right. The on-camera meteorologists, they have to have the best information, the most accurate information, especially in breaking news, you know, during severe weather. Mm -hmm. You know, we're the ones that we're seeing the tornado warnings first. You know, we're hearing the damage reports first. We have to somehow communicate that to our and make it understandable. Yeah. I was gonna say you can't give them a dissertation mm -hmm. in their ear. You know, like for example, uh, last night I was doing a segment with Mike Bettis and I'm I'm watching him like a hawk. Because again, it's my job to make sure the graphics are all working correctly. And I saw him punch something wrong in my preview monitor, so it wasn't on the air. I couldn't say in his ear, hey, Mike, could you please hit the such and such button? So the such and such button. I knew the button was labeled wipe. So I literally just got in his ear and was like, wipe, wipe. Yeah. Wipe. You know, just one word answers. You're trying mm -hmm. to get, and sure enough, you know, you could tell he's like thinking about it, but he knew exactly what I meant. Wiped it. We had no error on the air kind of deal. Yeah. We, we really all have voices in our head. But my joke is like, as long as the voices stop, when we take the headset off. <laughs> uh <-huh>. It's okay. <laughs> so what do you so, so what's yeah, exactly so what Catherine, what is, what is it? What is it like on a severe high risk storm day or hurricane kind of day? How does it change then? It can get pretty intense, but your experience totally depends on who you're working with. So me, and we can get into this when we talk about storm chasing, the crazier things get or the more agitated people get, the calmer I get. It's just, you know, in storm chasing, if you freak out when you're in a bad <laughs> situation, like you're, that's how you make bad decisions. That's how you get hurt. So when everybody is losing their damn minds, and as I like to call being irrational, I'm the one who's trying to be like, guys, you know, everybody just chill, you know, like it's my, <laughs> uh, in, th in that case, it's life or death. And I'm like, it's not life or death in here. Why are we panicking? There are yeah. actually people out there who should be panicking. She needs to, she needs to uh, do a better job investing money. Playing the market that <laughs> there you go. That's perfect. But, yeah. So anyway, um, it depends who you're working with. I could have, you know, on camera meteorologists who are just as chill and calm as me. And that's great. Uh, and then for, but for most of the hurricanes, 2017, I had Cantori out okay. and he's the complete opposite. You know, I, it's like, forget a bathroom break during the show. Cause every yeah. time I'm, I'm, I'm hearing pro yeah. you, know, you don't want to hear wipe then either to you. Wipe, wipe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nobody here, you know, wipe the, the I so, meant to turn my mic off. I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, things get pretty, pretty intense during big weather, but that's, I love it. I love it. Crisis mode is like when I'm at my best. So, yeah. Sometimes well, at that point you get to the point where like, we're just going to do this. And the way it comes out is the way it comes out. Well, that's and the best I'll, you can do. I'll give you an example. A couple of weeks ago, we go by a rundown system. Everything's in a rundown. We know exactly what's coming up next. No one knows what happened still, but all of a sudden we look over and the whole rundown was deleted out of the system. We still had an hour and 40 Been minutes. There. Right? Russians. Kim, Kim knows. So exactly. it's like running around they might as well have had lighters like lighting their hair on fire. <laughs> and, 
And I'm sitting there and I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And the floor director comes up, she runs up to me and she's like, Catherine, you know, the whole rundown is gone. And I went, yeah. <laughs> oh, we have paper copies anymore. And she's like, she's like, what are we going to do about it? And I was like, well, we have two minutes left in the commercial break. That's going to hit zero and we're going to be on the air whether we're ready or not. So we just got to make it work and yeah. do it. And you just got to do it. It's like the Nike logo. Just mm -hmm. do it. Do you ever turn to like Cantori and he's got like three minutes left in his weather and you go, now you have 28 minutes. Go. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, would be happy. Yeah, he would. Stretch. Yeah. Oh, stretch. He'd his... love it. Yeah, if you tell Cantori stretch, he's like, oh my God, he'll talk forever. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you'll be sorry. <laughs> Cantori, the storm's over. Can we just go home now? Right. Oh, my gosh. So what <laughs> is your day great. like? What is your day like? So when you first get into the Weather Channel, what do you do? Uh, so when I first get in, my day starts with a weather briefing. Uh, it's either given by our global forecast center people uh, it's given by Stu Ostro, who's one of our senior meteorologists, or by me. If, if everybody is out, and this has been happening more often than not, I'm usually the one kicking off with my show team doing the weather briefing. So that gets everybody on the same page. We know what the top weather stories are. Um, kind of my favorite thing to do is find cool little stats and cool little nuggets within weather stories. Uh, so that's usually what I'm contributing to the team. And then it's time to plan, you know, block by block. We're going to do this weather story here and this weather story here these tower cams, we go one by one, one by one. And so then after that happens and all the producers leave, I'm kind of in the room and Weather Underground, kind of the special thing of the show is all the experts we have. So for example, today I, I was staying in the, the, one, the weather cave, which is our studio for Weather Underground. And I'm trying to figure out what does Tom Nizzle, our winter weather expert wanna do? What does Dr. Rick Nab? want to do, who's our tropical expert and former director of the NHC. And then they wanted to also do a weather hit together. Oh. So I'm having to come up, you know, with ideas and graphics and build the graphics for them separately. But then also they want to do a story together. So I feel like I, I'm braiding, you know, <laughs> this like show from scratch. And then we were doing some fancy 3D graphics. So I got to go through rehearsals of that. Um, I'll put it this way. Oh, and I draw the chalkboards too, which is yes. very, very unfortunate because my twin sister, Lauren, got all of our artistic ability. <laughs> like in our mother's womb, she was like, I'm the artist. And you are a scientist. And I'm the yeah. scientist, but I'm drawing chalkboards. Do you have to bang the racers together at the end of the cast and get all the... I do. every my, So my I have to clean the chocolate every day. I call it my daily punishment, but I never know what I'm being punished for. <laughs> I'm just cleaning them because i got to redraw them. So uh, Dr. Rick Nab, he knows how to punish me. He asked me to draw a perfect circle a couple weeks ago. That took me about wow. two weeks. Perfect. For a type A person like me, I've drawn a Tesla, a multi-story home, which I'll never let Bettis live down for making me do that. Oh my but a God. perfect circle. Wow. No, nope. I would just take one and- Can't and you get a string? Trace it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I thought about ordering a pizza. <laughs> and then I would put Catherine, did I, is that a guitar behind you? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's actually several guitars that I really? have. Really? As well as a cello. Yeah, we'll we'll bring we'll bring that up here shortly. Oh. Wow. Um, I'm I'm gonna ask this. Uh, maybe this might be one of the last questions before we move on. 
Dr. Prosive, but uh, where where do you see the future of weather in media? Where do you see that going? Just in general? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on that? And, and do you see yourself working behind the scenes weather channel for the rest of your working years? I would love that. I will say that I would love that. However, I'm also a realist and you know, you see where TV is and you can kind of follow the progression of TV the way that the newspaper went. You know, the last few years we watched the newspaper kind of fade away as digital took over. TV is doing the same thing. With cord cutting, you've got Roku, you've got all of these different suppliers. So unfortunately, and being the realist that I am, TV is not going to be around forever. And the Weather Channel also will likely not be around forever. <gasps> what? A TV platform. Now you take it to social media, you take it to Twitter, you take it to YouTube, then that I think is where the future of any kind of media is really. I mean, how often are you watching something on your phone rather than you are on the TV? You know, it's just happening more and more. So that's kind of the short answer. I see media continuing on mobile devices and social media rather than just TV. News director in line one. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that, that's how we suckered Kim and Dina into doing that's this right. on a bi-weekly basis. All yes. right, well, let's let, let me ask you this, uh, Doctor Prosif. How can our uh, how can our listeners and viewers follow you on social media? Uh, so I'm very very active on Twitter. That's where I keep it pretty much all weather all the time. That's where that's you're keeping favorite. it real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, keep it real. So uh, that's my brand there. So at Catherine Prosiv which k-a-t-h-r-y-n and then my last name which is ukrainian and and it's i realize it's hard there's not many prosives out there uh p as in peter r-o-c-i-v now not to be confused with the best mispronunciation of my name i ever got from a telemarketer a woman asked me could she please speak to katherine prock the fourth I mean, I was curious Click. if you found the comma. I did, I did compliment her on knowing her Roman numerals. Yeah, I have, awesome. I'll tell you this. I have heard people mispronounce your name Proctive and Provis. Yeah, it's and, pro, Provic, yep. And, and I'm like, you're, you're like the Brett Favre of the weather world. You spell yeah, it one right. way and it's pronounced another way. But And I, ha- I had no idea you were Russian. I'm really sorry. I'd like to apologize <laughs> for that whole. <laughs> you know, you made that comment earlier, and I'm like, you know, we have listeners uh, that yeah. download the show in Russia. So, uh-huh. sorry. Sorry. All right, well, time for our lightning round, which I – for for 37 episodes, I've always said this is our speed round of questions for our guests. And it is it, it stopped so being much. a speed round a long time ago. So <laughs> we're, we're going to keep calling it a lightning round. But it, instead of referring to uh, quickness and speed, we, we can say it's like like lightning, like spect- it's the spectacular <laughs> lightning round or the brilliant there you go. Lightning round or it's something like that. We'll, we'll use that. Long. But anyway, regardless, it's, it's always our fun round of questions for our guests. Okay. And I, I understand, as we've already uh, mentioned, Catherine, you are a, a fan of music and you play the guitar. Is that right? That, that is right. Okay. 
So here's here's our game tonight. I, I just came up with this today. This is how this is how brilliant this is. Uh, we're we're gonna call this head to head. Okay. We're calling it head to head, and we are gonna cover uh, Rolling Stones top 100 greatest guitarists. And so I am gonna I'm gonna give you two guitarists, okay. and you have to tell me which one is ranked higher in the Rolling Stone top 100 list. And I'm gonna let I'm gonna let our, our co-host freaks uh, chime in with what you know what they think it might be, and you can listen to them or not listen to them. Uh, it's completely up to you. So but we just say higher or lower. Is that all we do? No, you you say the guitarist that you think is the highest of the two. Can I just say higher or lower? Mm-hmm. One dollar. <laughs> when you say define when you say higher though. Does that higher mean- on the list, like, like like meaning better. Better. Okay, better. So, okay. so uh, I, I'm ranked 10th number. instead of Batter? 15th, Batter. for example. All right, you so we're making this complex. Are we, yeah, I know. It's too hard. Have a we're drink. We're drinking, remember? What was that middle part again? Catherine, you ready? Here we go. We're going to get going on this. The first two guitarists, you got to tell me which one is ranked better Neil Young or Stevie Ray Vaughan? Stevie Ray Vaughan. You would be correct. Stevie Ray yes. Vaughan is 12. Yeah. Neil Young is 17th. So it's close. All right. Mm-hmm. All right, next one. Steven TV. Stills or Joe Walsh? Joe Walsh. Joe oh, Walsh. <laughs> Steven mm-hmm. Stills or Joe Walsh? I'm going to guess Joe Walsh. You would be incorrect. Oh, Steven Stills. No. Steven Stills is 47. Joe Walsh is 54. Too really? many voices in your head on that one. All right, next one. John <laughs> Lennon or Slash? Oh. Slash. Us Pam Slash is more like our uh, our era. Yeah, uh, Lennon wasn't known for his guitar that much. I don't yeah, think. I didn't That's know it. he really yeah. played that much. You may say he's a dreamer, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go Slash just because he's me too. He's known as a guitarist. All right, Slash. I'm going with Lennon. Oh, you would be correct. Oh, oh, wait, oh, wait. oh. A Russian oh, going with Lennon. John Lennon. Lennon was 55, Slash was 65. Oh, that. Oh, okay. All right, next one. We I have Lindsay Buckingham or Paul Simon. Oh, uh, I love both of them. Who's the first one? Lindsay Buckingham. Um, Fleetwood Mac. Mac. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Simon. <sighs> Lindsay Buckingham. I'm going to go with Buckingham because I'm a huge Fleetwood fan. Oh, really? Okay. Well, you would be wrong. Uh, Simon. It is, it is Paul Simon. We're scraping the bottom of the top 100 barrel here. Paul Simon was 93. Lindsey Buckingham was 100. Oh, All right, next oh. one. We have Joe Perry or huh? Buddy Holly. Joe Perry or Buddy Holly? Ooh. I would say Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly? And this one's close. This is a close Buddy one. Holly. Yeah, but I'm going with Buddy. I'm going yeah. with Buddy. Buddy Holly, and you would be correct. It go. is Buddy Holly. <laughs> Buddy Holly is 80. Joe Perry, 84. So that was a close one. Next one is The Edge or Jerry Garcia. Jerry Garcia. Jerry Garcia. That's who I'm wow, that was a quick, wrong answer. Oh, oh. sorry. Over the edge? You two, the edge? Are you kidding me? The edge is 38. Jerry Garcia is 46. Oh, so they're not that far away. Not, yeah. Well, it's almost 10. Eight. Eight by my oh, math. God. All right, here we go. We're 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 moving up the list here a little bit on this one. Chuck Berry or Eddie Van Van Halen, and this oh. is very tight. They're one apart. I'll tell you that right now. Oh. Chuck Berry oh, or Eddie Van, Eddie. Eddie Van Halen? Van Halen. Van Halen. Eddie. Van Halen. Yep. 
Van Halen. She's going with Eddie Van Halen, and Eddie Van Halen was eighth. Chuck Berry was seventh. Oh. Wow. Chuck wow. Berry I remember being seventh. pissed about that. Chuck Berry seventh. All right, here we go. <laughs> this, this is we got three more, but this is I'm gonna save the big one for the end. Okay. Wait, wait, was this like a hundred old people surveyed, or what was this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, who, who decided this? Yeah, it's stone. Uh, it's whatever. The writers. Here we go. Uh, we're going to do two more, and then we'll finish with the highlight. All right. George Harrison or Les Paul? Oh. Who's ranked higher? Ooh. A Les Paul is the type of guitar I'll get the day I become a millionaire. So I'm going to go with Les Paul. Incorrect. Uh, George Harrison is 11th. Les Paul is 18th. I'm still getting Ooh. a Les Paul. George Harrison, man. The the guitar that gently weeps. Yeah. I know. Okay. I love that song on guitar too. It's great. All right. Now this this one I picked purposefully. Carlos Santana or James Hetfield? I'm going with Santana because yeah. Kermit should be the guitarist. Yes. Santana, I do too. Santana. All right. You'd be correct. Carlos Santana, yeah. 20th. James was 87th. Nice. Okay. On the list. So here's the final. This is number one and number two. So you just got to tell me who's number one. Is it Eric Clapton or Jimi Hendrix? Who is number one Jimmy and who is number two? Hendrix. Hendrix. Yeah, let's go with Hendrix. I'm trusting Cam on this Jimmy one. Hendrix, and you're finishing on a high note. That is Yay! correct. Ding. Eric Clapton, number two. Congratulations. Yeah. 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 All right, way to go, Catherine. Well done. Yeah. So Wait, your voice. I've <laughs> <laughs> been drinking for a while. <laughs> I have, I have. Well, th thanks, Catherine, for playing. You did it. You did a good job. Hey, I want everybody to know: if you live anywhere in the Midwest or in the Plains, you've got to make your way to Indianapolis on November 18th for the seventh annual Indiana Storm Chasers Convention. Uh, spend a spend a great day with fellow storm chasers, spotters, meteorologists, and weather fans. Listening to speakers cover topics. Uh, these are some of the topics they've got: storm forecasting, fall tornado outbreaks. And new tools for storm spotters. Those are just a handful of them. Uh, they only have 55 seats that remain available. And and get this, only Stormfront Freaks podcast listeners have an opportunity to register beginning today uh, as we record. So what's the date today? October 19th? 19th. Um, so beginning today through November 4th, if the seats last that long, uh, if you're a listener, you can actually register and get the early bird rate of only $20. To nice. register for the convention. So if, if you want to do that, you got to go to IND for Indiana, INDChaserCon.com slash freaks. You got to add the slash freaks there, and you can get the special $20 registration uh, for the event as long as those 55 seats remain. You can also follow them and learn more on Twitter at INChaserCon. Um, my question is, what else are you going to do on a cold Saturday in November? So, so go ahead. Right. Why don't you join us and register fast at indchasercon.com slash freaks. I thought for sure you said there were 56 seats and then you went to 55. So they're like signing up. Did. Right I'm, away I'm watching my right phone. Now they're going. They're <laughs> but really get off your butt and join us because it's going to be a good time and, and yeah. save the money while you're doing it. All right. We're going to take a short break. Our podcast listeners get to hear the latest edition of the Titans U Minute with Chris Sanner. Uh, so stay right here. We'll be back with Catherine and the co-host to discuss the future of amateur radio for storm spotting. And we might actually hear a little bit of Catherine playing her guitar as well. Yes. All right. Well, that's a tease. <laughs> <laughs> 
And now it's time for the Titan U Minute with Chris Satter. Last week on social media, I threw out a term that got a few questions and a frontal. So today on the Titan U Minute, let's take a bit of time to discuss the two different types of cold fronts in detail. You may or may not be surprised to learn that not all cold fronts are equal. And there are two main types of fronts which we look for. And these have differing impacts on storm and precipitation formation. These types of cold fronts are anafronts and catafronts. Anafronts occur when surface winds and upper level winds both are roughly more parallel to the front. Warm and moist air ahead of the front overruns the colder air at the surface, which causes clouds and precipitation to form well behind the leading edge of cold air at the surface. Because of this, Storms are typically elevated and behind the cold front. Catafronts, on the other hand, tend to be drier overall. When surface winds weaken relative to strong upper level winds, moist air overrunning the cold front and causing lift is cut off. This causes a big downtick of storm activity, sometimes completely eliminating it. Sometimes the only sign a catafront has passed through is a change in wind speed and a drop in temperatures as the sensible weather otherwise is unchanged. So hey, I've got this new series out called Wild Weather. We just released our fourth episode, a countdown of my favorite lightning shows ever. You can find Wild Weather on the Tornado Titans YouTube channel. Simply search Tornado Titans and you'll find us. Also, be sure to check out Titan U on TornadoTitans.com. We'll see you next time. All right, welcome back. Uh, thanks for coming back. <laughs> thanks for coming back. We've got, uh, listen to this, we've got over 700,000 amateur radio operators in the United States, according to the American Radio Relay League, nice. which is the ARRL, which, which, by the way, that's the most in history. But the challenges most belong to the AARP, <laughs> with an average <laughs> wow. climbing into the 60s. Hey, no. <laughs> I thought you might like that, but the average age is climbing into the 60s. So, so the question is because the the ease the ease nowadays of being able to you have to have you have to be licensed to use amateur radio, and and obviously in the past that's been a huge way to communicate with the National Weather Service during storms uh, for our spotters to be able to be able to communicate to the National Weather Service. The the challenge is with cell phones, smartphones. Uh, and technology in those areas getting better, and with the difficulty of having to get a license in order to use ham, you know, be ham radio operator, amateur radio operator is difficult. Um, the, the challenge is obviously it's not attracting younger people into that industry, and more and more National Weather Service offices are having difficulty staffing even if they have one, are having difficulty staffing their ham radio or amateur radio stations uh, from volunteers on a regular basis during storms. So I, I, we reason, one of the reasons we want to talk a little bit about this tonight, we have two licensed uh, amateur radio operators tonight on the show. And obviously one is Catherine, which is why I wanted to bring it up tonight. The other one is MJ, who's part of the Spotter Network in Minnesota. But but do this first. If, if either one of you can chime in and both of you can chime in, just talk first about getting a light because you have to get licensed to do this. You have to take a test oh, yeah. to be able to operate oh, that. Yep. So, so explain to, to our listeners 
that some are not because I'll be honest with you. I am currently not. That's one of my goals for 2018 is I'm actually going to get my license. Nice. Um, but I'm not getting younger either. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Explain the process of getting a license. All right. So MJ, I'm guessing our, our um, experiences were different. I got mine through school. So um, if, I'll let you go first, actually. I've done a lot of the talking already. Yeah, well, no, no, you, you, can, you can chime in too. But yeah, I, I did mine through, uh, take, I took some classes, right, uh, from a uh, ham radio club uh, in our area and uh, went through that process, took some classes, studied the materials, and then took a test um, and was lucky enough to pass it uh, and got my, you know, technician. I'm just a technician license. Um, but so that's, that's the process that I went, and that's the process that a lot of people take. Um, you'll find clubs in various areas that'll offer, uh, you know, tr uh, test exam classes, exam prep classes, and you can take those. And they usually, I don't, you know, they meet different amounts of time. I think ours was four or five meetings, four or five nights. Uh, and then we studied uh, the manual and the handbook and things like that and then took the exam. So I, and go ahead, Catherine, how yours was different. So similar in the, you know, four or five classes and, and you get a book from the radio league that you have to study. Uh, mine was offered, so I am very lucky to have one of the most amazing mentors on the planet. I'll just say it, it's a strong statement, but it's true. Uh, his name is Dave Carroll, and he was my meteorology professor at um, Virginia Tech. He's the one who taught me how to storm chase and who now I co-lead with the students every spring. He and, you know, it's an honor to lead alongside my mentor, storm chasing. He had his license, and so he said, I'm in grad grad school at the time. He goes, I think I'm going to set up a, a ham radio class for students who want to get their license because it is very, very important still. Even though it's archaic and it's an aging technology, we use it storm chasing. I'll explain why uh, in a minute, um, and also storm spotting. So while I'm going through grad school and all that comes with that, I was doing this other class once a week uh, for a couple months trying to get my license at the same time. Uh, and then, but it was great. I was right there along my peers and my colleagues. And that, if you want to talk about a way to get young people involved, do it in school, you know, do it through, you know, if it's a meteorology program, make it, a, you know, a type of, I don't know, responsibility for students, make it extra credit or, or field credit. I don't know. That's how you get young people to do it. There are about 15 of us in the class. We went through it together, we studied together, and then they set up the exam on the same day for all of us, and it was on campus. Again, you gotta make it easy, especially for young people, you know, you gotta make it easy. And uh, I told Phil a little bit about this already. The day that I got licensed, I will always remember yeah, that. Yeah, this is cool. Because it was April 27th, 2011. Oh gosh. The day of the <laughs> outbreak. And so you can imagine focus was very poor. And we're all in this room, and I remember we actually, you know, long before I even knew I'd worked for the Weather Channel, but we had the Weather Channel on the TV out in the big student center. So we ran, we took the test, and then we ran back out. We were watching. I remember Jeff Morrow was standing in Birmingham, mm -hmm. and we know what was going on behind him. And then we passed, thankfully, and technician is class one. And if you pass right away, you can take another exam for free just to see if you get general, which is number two class. And I remember being like, I don't want to. Because I just wanted to watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to take the second test. I'm happy with the technicians. Now type A, Catherine. Mm -hmm. Obviously. <laughs> like, oh, what? God, did you do it? Yes. Yes, I did. Of course she did. <laughs> of course she did. Wait, Dr. General Prosive? Is that Dr. General Prosive. 
So yeah, it took that, and the whole time it was like record time. They said they've never seen anyone take a test so fast. And I said, well, I've got tornadoes to watch. <laughs> I didn't pass. I didn't pass the second test, you know, full disclosure. That one requires even more study. And they just yeah, let it you does. do it. You know, you just do it. So pass that. So keep in mind, I'm in Southwest Virginia. So all that's happening in the Southeast. I get home, and this is, you know, April in, in the mountains of Blacksburg. It's usually still like snowing on and off that time. Mm-hmm. And I'm walking my dog, and I'm like, it feels like a high risk day out in the Great Plains right now. And I'm at 2,200 feet in the mountains of Virginia. And as I told Phil, sure enough, those supercells, they did not care it was night. They did not care that they hit the mountains. Again, many of those became case studies in my master's degree. Mm -hmm. Uh, And six hours after I got licensed, I was able to use my (laughs) radio. (laughs) Nice. Get the word out about the tornadoes that were going on in Virginia. So I am um, so glad that I got it. It's one of the best things I've ever done. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And I think the way you did that, and I think the way they do that with uh, yeah. incorporated into the classroom is is a great great idea. So yeah. MJ, MJ, you tell me this: is your your network that you guys are on in Minnesota is that a is that closed? Is that a closed network, or do you allow anybody that's got a license to jump on if they're spotting storms and be a part of that? If yeah, it's it's uh, the people that the people that join are generally part of the the group. Um, we'd we'd allow anybody else to come. There's not that many people around, so we don't very often. Uh, occasionally, we'll have somebody else jump in, uh, and they're welcome to do so. Uh, we do like to get and the, the Twin Cities National Weather Service office likes to have people who have, you know, received the spotter training and have a spotter number and things like that. But they don't. They don't require it. So any, anybody can join. We just don't have that happen very often. So that's the challenge. And Catherine, I know you've done a lot of storm chasing as well, but you know, the challenge also that, that would deter people from maybe wanting to get their license and, and get involved in amateur radio is, especially if you're chasing, there, there are a lot of networks that kind of turn their nose up on getting anybody else in on their network. Uh, like, hey, what are you doing on our channel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get off. So well, how often have you seen that? So I will tell you that, you know, while you would think this whole, you know, inclusiveness would be bad, uh, it does have its uh, pluses because ham radio, you know, everyone is licensed. Everyone has a high respect for being able to use those frequencies and it is regulated by the FCC. So for example, you are not allowed to use bad language over the ham radio, you have to be nothing but polite. There are rules you have to say your call, you know, every couple of minutes. And what that does, and having, you know, been storm chasing for many years, I've done the CB. Now the CB radios, that's what truck drivers have. Anyone, you know, your mom, your dad, your kid can get on a CB radio. We're bringing moms into it again, huh? (laughs) And that's fine, you know, my, actually my Italian mother, who's feisty, she's not watching tonight because scandal was more important. (laughs) so i was like you do you mom but uh you know it's they and truck drivers you know they can just be downright let's just say they're nasty nasty. so can phil so can phil (laughs) (laughs) that's right not not all of them i've I've spoken to some very very nice uh truck drivers out there but 
having your ham filters all of that out. Mm -hmm. I've never spoken to anyone who was impolite or inappropriate over the ham because you can't right. you'll get kicked out. Right. No, I, I agree. You're, you're absolutely right. And when I talk about allowing others in, they, they have to be licensed hams to, to be on. Sure, um, right. It's just occasionally we get somebody else who's, uh, you know, out and seeing something that'll kind of, you know, do a report in. I will say that Metro Skywarn, which is the big organization in the, in the uh, Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul area, they are a very closed network and they will only allow people who've actually gone through their own Metro Skywarn training program uh, participate. So. so how much are these radios? Are they very expensive? Yeah, or? I was wondering that too. Well, well, this is my issue, right? Is that this is one of the other challenges to yeah. that industry is you can jump on Amazon now and buy a, a, a radio, amateur radio, for like 25 bucks, 20 bucks. That's it. Wow. Yeah. Yes. A little two meter handheld. Yeah. yeah. And it's like a, it's like a good old walkie talkie. And I, I think that's the other challenge is too many people have access to that and can you, and will use it without a license. Yes. And you know, those people right away. Oh uh, yeah, you can. Yeah. When you're, when you're driving out there, you know, my, so my call sign is KK4BWP. Uh, it's a sign to you. You can get a vanity call yep. sign if you want, but it works for me. Um, so you have to say it every several minutes. You have to introduce yourself and then, you know, say MJ and I are finished speaking. You know, a lot of times I'll say this is KK4BWP, Catherine Clear, you know, and that right. means done. Yeah. So there's certain language. You you can pick them out right away. You're like, you're not supposed to be on here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because so, how big are these units? Like, yeah. uh, I remember growing up, my grandfather had a whole radio right down in his basement it covered the entire wall he yep. had the ham radio the microphone and it seems like and then you see in the movies where it's like kind of like a box mm -hmm. with a 30 foot like antenna so are you like with a walkie-talkie and a 30 foot antenna <laughs> dragging behind you or what are, what are we talking here so it, it varies you've got and i bet you mj is going to get his radio because i saw him say i'll be right back or, oh. it's a bathroom break <laughs> it probably he's, is, yeah. he's yeah. over 50. <laughs> <laughs> He is AARP. <laughs> to answer your question, you know, it depends how hardcore you are. You know, I have a handheld and that's it. Um, okay. People actually build, you know, a room full. They have, it's like a command center. Um, and of course, the more equipment you have, the farther the frequencies you can go. Um, a lot of hams, it's a hobby. So they'll try and ping people over in Asia or over in Australia. You know, I'm just trying most of the time to communicate between bands or communicate within a yeah. boundary for severe weather. And that's about it. Um, but the best thing about it, I know we call it archaic. I know we call it old, but hams will work when cell phone towers go it down. It works mm -hmm. all the time. Hey, you know who likes hams? Dogs behind you. Mm -hmm. Oh, they yeah. Do. Love well, you know, my nickname, because I got my license in Virginia, I'm a Virginia ham. So. That's right. There you go. <laughs> That's a good one. No, I, I ran out quick for our viewers to say this oh, is the okay. this is the handheld that I use uh, when I'm spotting uh, mobile. It's my mobile handheld, and it works uh, very very well, and it's not real expensive. Um, and then I have a, you know, I actually have a mobile unit for my home unit. So that uh, they're very small. So do, not not uh, yeah. Do people still have those big ones then? Just when they want yeah, to communicate. some do. Okay. Yeah. But, but I'll tell you, as, as we would say, the old timers. Yeah, my those. grandpa had one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, the ones that covered the whole wall, I'm saying. Yeah, there we go. You know. I'll tell well, you, and I know why this conversation came up, and Phil, you might be bringing this up, but with Hurricane Maria, that slammed mm -hmm. St. Croix, St. John, Puerto Rico, who 
you know, still huge percentage, most of those islands are without power. The ham radio operators are almost the unsung heroes right now because mm -hmm. there's no power, there's no cell phone coverage, and it's the hams that have been able, you know, to get SOS messages out, get I'm safe or I right. love messages mm -hmm. out to families yep. yeah. from and, Puerto Rico. It, and I'm right. It, it, Puerto Rico and, and also uh, the earthquake in Mexico City. Yes. Uh, ham, right. ham radio played a amateur radio played a, a big part of that. I heard 9/11 uh, as well. Even in Houston, yes. I, did you guys hear about in in Houston? Um, uh, what's the the Cajun um, Cajun Navy? Cajun Navy. Navy. Yeah, the Cajun Navy. Uh, was was a lot of them were being sent out through amateur radio where they were finding out where people needed to be uh, oh, saved wow. and brought in. Right. A lot right. of it was through amateur radio. So this, uh, to me, uh, personally, I, amateur radio, I think, is it still needs to be a huge, huge part of our storm and disaster. Uh, Emergency response. Yeah. Exactly. But, but I th again, I think the issue is, 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 we need to do a better job of, of attracting younger people because what's we, happening now, here's the other part is with, I was talking about smartphones, mm -hmm. um, the Zello app, which, which is yeah. like a, a radio app that you can get on your smartphone that now is being used quite a bit. There were 6 million new users in one week during hurricane Irma, 6 million new users mm -hmm. in one week. And what they were wow. using that app for very similar to amateur radio was being able to communicate what's going on, where am I at, uh, where I'm trying to go, I'm trying to get out of here, what do you what do you need, where's the storm right now, trying to communicate a lot of that over the smartphone, which which is kind of a replacement of amateur radio, but you don't need a license to use Zello. And, you don't know. And, and at the Indiana ChaserCon, by the way, there is actually one of one of the friends of our show. Um, Jay Farlow is actually doing a presentation talking a little bit about that in, uh, because he's a big amateur radio user as well. But th there's that. There's better cell coverage than we've ever had before is helping with that. Um, there's the Spotter Network app and website. We talked a little bit to Rick Smith about that last week mm -hmm. from the National Weather Service, that that's a much newer way for spotters to communicate to the National Weather Service, you know, what they're seeing, what's going on. Obviously, social media is huge. Those are all new ways that were never there 10 years ago Yep. that I think is going to threaten amateur radio. And I think they're, I mean, they're good. They're, they're good. Uh, and they get more information. And I think the National Weather Service takes in all of that information. Um, the, you know, the one thing about the amateur radio uh, and, and the networks and the spotter networks that we do with those is when you're in a small area, right, and you're trying to coordinate people being in different locations to watch a storm, I think the radio is still a lot easier way to pay attention, right? While you're, you're driving, you're stopping on the side of the road, you're doing things like that. Um, and uh, you don't worry about coverage. You don't have, you know, when we're out in the rural areas in some of those places, yes, cell phone coverage sure. is better than it's ever been. Um, but data is still spotty sometimes. And uh, we don't worry about it because we know we can communicate regardless of, of the conditions, regardless of anything else. So I think there's still a place for it for that reason, if nothing else. And, and to me, and I don't know, I don't want this to come off as sounding snobby, but it might a little bit. But, you know, what you hear from a ham, you can trust because we we are just trained to be 
accurate, have respect mm -hmm. for others, have respect for our surroundings. Um, most hams are huge weather um, nerds, nerds or meteorologists, yeah. you know. So I, I will trust the word of a ham before I trust the word of someone else, uh, for example. So, so you guys, um, you said, Catherine, you got your license in school. So say like me or somebody else wants to do that. How would you even start? Good question. Find a, find an amateur radio club in your area. There's, there certainly is one somewhere. So that'd be, you know, do a search, you know, just for Google your it. area. Yep. Just Google it. Find a amateur radio club. Uh, and contact them. They'll know exactly where to send you and exactly what to do. They probably, like, how long does it take? You said you went to a couple classes and then studied and... Yep. You know, uh, Catherine was probably on the fast track. It probably took me a month, month and a half. Oh, that's get, nothing, though. No. And do you have to recertify or anything? Uh, every 10 years, is it? You have yeah. to. You just have to okay. re-up your license now. Okay. Yeah. Good. Nope it's great you can choose to learn morse code if you want you know it's it's to me i i love that kind of stuff kind of this whether it's old technology or archaic language you know you never know when that's going to mm -hmm. come back when everything hey it's crap. in the movies when we get invaded by aliens it's the ham radio operators that send the signals across that's the world right. <laughs> that's, right. that's right well i'll tell you what uh, li our listeners and viewers hey let us know what you guys think on this subject uh, you can always email us at questions at stormfrontfreaks.com, or you can find us on Twitter or Facebook and tag us your thoughts so we can share it on our next show. So we're going to take our final break. The rest of you can refill your drinks. When we come back, it's time for some cool WX resources you'll love, and we'll have plenty of Darwin Award nominees in our yeah. weather pool. <laughs> Hey, I'm Tom Nizzle, winter weather expert at the Weather Channel, and you're listening to Stormfront Freaks Podcast. All right, welcome back. Hey, time now for weather resources. We always have the coolest new spots, old spots, places that you're just going to find some of the most awesome weather-related, and this time, ham-related stuff as well. With that, let's go to Dr. General. <laughs> Dr. General Prosive. All right. It has a nice ring to it. Uh, can I be Dr. K? Dr. Dr. Yeah. Little yes. K. Do Dr. Little, Little K. I am only five feet tall, so my nickname is Five Feet of Fury. So, <laughs> okay, so let's, uh, let me do the screen share here. Make sure, um, because we're talking about the uh, amateur radio and ham, I decided to choose the homepage for the American Radio basically amateur radio league where you would go to either and Dina, this answers your question. You could search on here, you know, a club if you'd want to join or just where you might be able to take a class or even just to order the book mm -hmm. if you want to study by yourself. And then as all of us were looking at this webpage together in the break, we noticed, you know, right here at the top, ham radio in the news, Puerto Rico and the Caribbean recovery. And then, oh, I think this is interesting. Donate to ham aid. So, um, as you can see, ham is that a concert, Hamade? <laughs> Hamade. It actually sounds like a topping for ham. <laughs> Lemonade so, with ham. Yeah. Um, but look at this, Dina. Again, for you, new to amateur radio, what is it? You know, get your license. Ah, perfect. Yep, join or renew. So, for those of you who are genuinely interested, you know, 
this is a really, really great place to start. Uh, you can read articles here, know where to get your license. Um, so I would highly, highly recommend going here if you think you'd like to be a ham. Oh, look at this over on the right-hand side, so even some radio information if you want to buy what, What's that website? So this is www.arrl.org. Nice and easy. Yeah. Cool. And there's a school club there too, it looks like. Yeah. So schools can join. Um, like I yep. said, I really think the way that I did it uh, through school, that is probably the best way to get younger generations involved. Very cool. much. That was very cool. What's beyond general, by the way? Oh, you know, I don't even remember because I took the general test. And while you guys are going to look with me, so the three classes of ham radio. Mission. Yep. So uh, you think and type. That's so cool. Advanced. Advanced. <laughs> My what? She's you in TV. In you got to do multiple things at once. No, I'm like, man. So, yeah. Yeah, here we go. So uh, Group D, Amateur Radio Licensing, Ham Radio Licenses, this is what I want, FCC, Technician, General, Amateur Extra. Amateur Extra, that's it. Yeah. Amateur Extra. Amateur okay. Extra. Yeah, so if, if people really want to be extra. And you're competitive. And so, I'm very competitive. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not an overachiever. I'm going to stick with the technician. <laughs> yes. Hello, Dr. Extra. I'm getting... Yeah, technician will get you really everything you need. Right. So. Okay. Awesome. Hey, that was very good. Thank you for that. Let's uh, let's go to the other lady. It is the evening, but I'm not going to say it. Dina. <laughs> All right. I'm going to share my screen. And mine is, um, the you call it CocoRoss.org. Oh, and yeah. I like this because it, um, mainly what I use it for is rainfall totals and snowfall totals. Um, I like this mainly, it tells you at the bottom, this Coco Ross is, it's really a volunteer network of backyard weather observers. So they pretty much um, report some of this uh, stuff. So say I wanna look at, especially during a big storm, a lot of times we're looking at National Weather Service sites to get rainfall totals or snowfall totals, but you can look at some of these places and zoom in and even click on some of these um, reports and see how much rain they got. And that's when it really matters because you could see, you know, maybe there's a big snowstorm and you're getting 24 inches of snow. And yet, you know, maybe the National Weather Service site only had six. So it's one of those things where it's really helpful. There's all kinds of stuff on the side. But like I said, mainly what I do is I, I look for it for rainfall, um, snow but you've got everything you've got hail i mean everything you've got so try it out it's um it's it's a long kind of a long thing here www.cocorahs.org man where was that when we were doing weather it yeah it's pretty like good i like it because it really gets you the uh, storm reports you're looking for and for like Catherine and i doing our job we really need that yeah we do we were like calling like Bob, Bob, how much snow did you get? You know. <laughs> but it's, yeah, <laughs> it's Coco you know. Ross is the Commutative Collaborative Rain, Hail, and Snow Network. So that's what you're getting out of it. That's okay. great. And now you can use your weather station too. You could be a part I of it. I know. I love that weather station. Accurate. Thank you. <laughs> and I woke up this morning, went to work. It was 39 degrees nice. wow. and it, yeah yeah atlanta too was like 50 something and up here where i live it was 39 wow that's awesome 
It was awesome. All right, Maz, you're muted, buddy. You got to unmute Oh, yourself. sorry. Wrong button. Okay. <laughs> I was going to go to Phil, but since he told me off. No, MJ, it's your turn. All right. Well, just re real quick, since we're talking about ham radio, and I showed this radio, those of you who are watching, um, earlier, this is uh, sort of my go-to handheld radio unit. And I'm a fan of Yesu. That's the, you know, many manufacturers. They're just one of them. But um, this is an FT60 handheld radio. And if you're just starting out, uh, you know, and you want to do storm spotting or you just want to do a little bit of uh, work with amateur radio, it's a great one to start with. It's a dual band, uh, two meters, 70 centimeters, which is your two most common uh, radio bands in terms of traffic uh, and people to talk to and, and things like that. Uh, or it's two meter band is what most of the National Weather Service spotter networks utilize. Uh, and you can have you can get it brand new for $150 or less, so it's not too expensive to get into it, uh, and it's powerful enough to do what you need to do uh, when you get started. So what's what's the range on that? It's the Yesu FT60. Um, I mean, can I call China? Part, no, no, it's not <laughs> one of those that you're going to do a lot of international work. It's it's local, but it's I, I use it and I get I get 40 miles out of it easy. Again, it's a local, it's more of a local thing. And when you get into ham radio, you talk about repeaters and things like that. Uh, but it's, uh, it's very capable. So if you want to go farther, size matters is what you're saying? Yeah, <laughs> it does. <laughs> yes, yeah. Woo, we've had a few. Whoa. No, you need to get uh, many more watts. So how, how do you spell, watt. By the way, how do you spell that? You spell Yesu, Y-A-E-S-U. Y-E-A-S-U. And the FT60 okay. is the one I use. Cheaper on Amazon. Okay, so uh, let's, let's go to Phil. You got something for us, don't you? Yeah, you know, it's funny because you guys have some, like, really good, important, you can really be better educated from. Here's my WX resource. Oh, that's so cute. For th those of you that are fans of the movie Twister, <laughs> we're getting ready for Christmas. Yes. Uh, you, can, you can go to, I just saw this the other day, you can go to joeykindex.com, uh, J-O-E-Y-K-I-N-D-E-X. Dot com and one of the uh, one of the things they have for sale is a Dorothy sensor ornament uh, for eleven ninety nine. You can decorate your Yuletide Christmas tree with a beautiful rendition of the uh, the round Dorothy tornado sensor with the pop can uh, <laughs> twirly whatever thing on the top of it. It's I just thought it was pretty cool when I saw that and and I just thought well we got to share that we're getting close to the holiday season. Does it work? Get, cool. I sure it doesn't, but it looks like it could. Yeah, it's cool. It, it legitimately looks like uh, it's got all the electronic gizmos on the inside that makes it look legitimate. Oh, that's neat. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so you guys want to get yourself a little pre-holiday gift. Uh, very inexpensive. Get yourself a Dorothy sensor ornament for your and Christmas tree. My guess is you're going to have to mail that. You probably can't carry that on a plane, right? <laughs> that looks pretty scary. Could be. Yeah, yeah I, don't know. Right? I don't know. They, obviously, they can ship it. So. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. All right. So you can check out what episode are we in, by the way? Thirty-eight. Thirty-eight. Hey. So you can check out all these links and all the information by going to stormfrontfreaks.com in the resources area and look for what episode? 38. Uh, 30, 38. 38. Thank you. 38. 38. Could you imagine if we were a weekly show, we would now be at what? 76. Times two. Yeah. Woo. It took me a while. It took me a little bit. <laughs> but we're not. We're by Drake math. So 38. <laughs> All right, Dina. All right. 
Oh, you sorry. Good. Okay. Mess. No, sorry. You, you, you're good, man. <laughs> All right. This is the, the fun part called Weather Fools of our show. And it's the fun part where we get to watch people do stupid stuff that gets caught on camera because, you know, everybody's got a camera on their phone now and they're always videotaping everything. So um, we're going to put the links on our show notes. But, Phil, I know you have one. What, what do you got? Well, so I do. And, and this actually is, is not. So Weather Fools could cover a couple things. This is not a video of someone doing something stupid. Weather fools could just be stupid people okay. uh, doing stupid things regarded to the weather. So this this is a recent article about FEMA. Now, I, I kind of put FEMA under the bus a few episodes back uh, with their inability to timely pay on some money they owed some cities. Well, this, is, this has to do with uh, the Joplin schools. And this is in relation to tornadoes that Joplin had back in 2011, uh, yep. which is when Dr. General got uh, her license. Mm-hmm. Yes, so, it was. so here's the challenge. So these Joplin schools right now are currently trying to haggle with FEMA over the cost of tornado repairs. And, and so the weather fool here, honestly, I don't know if it's the, the Joplin schools or if it's necessarily FEMA. You know the challenge with the the challenge is the school district has seven appeals disputing more than seventy million dollars of denied costs uh, by FEMA of trying to rebuild their schools and and but the challenge becomes is it FEMA's responsibility and and sometimes the challenge being a government agency is they're slow to react mm-hmm. they're slow to to follow up it's just government they're just it's slow and and sometimes that can be a pain in the ass. Or is it the school district's responsibility? Because sometimes the issue is, are you submitting the paperwork in a timely manner? FEMA's, a lot of government agencies, they're strict on their deadlines. You got to give me this information by this date. And if you don't, you kind of lost out. Well, that's the responsibilities of the leaders of the school district to make sure they're getting the paperwork completed in time and they're getting everything completed in time or they're giving accurate information on the front end, the cost to rebuild to FEMA. And if they're not giving accurate information and they're not doing the work it takes. So I'll be honest with you. I don't know who the weather fool is in this regards, but the the challenge is, is there's obviously a weather fool here. (laughs) 2011 was a long time ago. Uh, and $70 million is a lot of money for a school district, and they're not getting it. Mm-hmm. So whether it's FEMA or whether it's the school district at fault, then is, is the fool, I, I really don't know. But um, the frustration of obviously continuing to deal with a government agency. We just built an elementary school in like 10 months here. It wow. was like, wow. Yeah, I mean, it went up fast. That never happens. I know. It's cra- and they're actually doing all the schools. It's like, what the heck? Somebody somebody passed a levy. All right. I think I'm the only one left who has a weather fool. And mine does. It's it does make fun of people a little bit. So I'm gonna share my screen. And this, you know, I have an issue with people driving through floods. It's my thing. Yeah. So this one, um, I'm not even sure where it is, but it looks like it's another country. So I'm gonna make (laughs) a lot of fun of them just because, you know. But look at this. Now he's trying to, oh, Kenya. So he's trying to get through here. Oh, my Almost good Lord. Looks like he might get it. And then uh, over a Not quite. It's amazing. He goes it's over. like a little mini waterfall. How do they you, are lucky they didn't have 
right side up. Yeah. This is so ridiculous. They just thought they had more clearance in that little minivan. I just That's don't understand the, why yeah. people try it to begin with. Now, well, I hey, found I, another last, one. last I heard, Kenya doesn't have the turnaround, don't drown thing. I don't know. I had found another one. I think it was during, it was one of the hurricanes that I had pitched for uh, like my job. But, and I was looking around for it. It was like a semi truck that was going across and it must have had, you couldn't see it because it was all water, but it must have been on a bridge because it went over and it, the whole semi truck went underwater, and I'm trying to find the. I couldn't find the link, and I found that one. <laughs> that was a good one wow. too. And I'm like, it is so preventable. Yeah. Hashtag okay. don't do stupid. You know. Hey, you hey, you're gonna blow I, your ham operator license. Careful. It's one of those things. Like you know, come on. Why? Exactly. It's just frustrating. All right. Waste our brand. Well, well, all these on our uh, Stormfront Freaks website uh, show episode thirty-eight. Because this, like mine and stuff, is a, it's a long one. You you can't even remember the website. So just check out stormfrontfreaks.com episode thirty-eight in our resources. Very good. All right. Well, let's jump to MJ. See what we have for listener questions and responses. Well, we want to say thanks, Don Murray, for giving us a review. Uh, he says, just stumbled onto this podcast and am now a fan. Great work. Great. Thanks, awesome. man. Thanks, Thank Don. you, Don. And Rob H. Uh, tweeted uh, for us and says, great show this week, guys and gals. It was truly just good enough. And if yeah. you listen to our show, you'll <laughs> know what that means. That's all we're striving to do. Yeah, that's, that's our hope. We're that's not our bar. Yes, me. <laughs> that's our bar. <laughs> Set it low. All right. Well, awesome. Well, I think that about does it for this episode of Stormfront Freaks Podcast and Stormfront Freaks Raw. Uh, thanks for listening and watching. Please take the time to leave us, of course, a five-star review on your podcast app. Uh, special thanks, Catherine, to you. Thanks for joining us tonight. You're outstanding yeah. as always. Awesome. Um, awesome. Um, and our next episode... Our next episode in two weeks, recording live on November 2nd, will be with meteorologist. Uh, easy wow. To say. How many beers have you finished had? The He's finished the cooler. <laughs> I like drunk Phil. I like drunk Phil. <laughs> You're not the first to say that. Uh, let's so let's it, toss it back to Dr. General. On, on November 2nd, I got to finish this, guys. Come on. Uh, November 2nd, it'll be with meteorologist in charge. See, this is the problem with the National Weather Service. All their titles, you, you've got warning coordination meteorologist. You've got meteorologist in charge. Whiny. You got my goodness. Whiny. Anyway, meteorologist in charge at the National Weather Service in Louisville. And he's also a former Hurricane Hunter. It's John Gordon is going to be with us. Uh, so I'm sure we'll be talking hurricanes. Uh, and, and it's good because it's, it's good to get some more National Weather Service staff on the show. Be sure to click subscribe on your podcast app to be notified when it's available. Go to stormfrontfreaks.com or our YouTube channel if you'd like to watch it live. Uh, so I think for MJ, for Maz, for Dina, Kim's already taken off, but Catherine stuck, uh, st stuck around. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to finish this. <laughs> I'm gonna That's an it. amazing Stammstucker. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, you guys are all awesome. Those of you that stuck around to actually watch this crap and listen, we appreciate it. Uh, I'm going to signal the all clear. We'll catch you guys next time. Bye. 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 Bye.
Thank you for listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. To subscribe and be notified when new episodes of our bi-weekly show are available, you can go to Apple Podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app and search for Stormfront Freaks. If you would like to contact us with questions or make comments about the show, shoot us an email to questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or follow us on Twitter at Stormfront Freak. We'd love to hear from you. For show notes, additional information about this episode, as well as past and upcoming shows, videos, photos, and more, visit our website at stormfrontfreaks.com. While you're there, check out the interactive radar provided by our friends at zoomradar.com. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash stormfrontfreaks. Join us next time and tell a friend about the Stormfront Freaks podcast.